Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's the Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Camaro Dave and Commander Chris, coming to you from our Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in downtown Portland, Oregon, and also out there on the Sun and Vision radio networks. We'd like to thank the folks over at Painted Hills Natural Beef for help making this show possible. Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. Um you know something? We've got a guy today that I have not talked to before. I've been looking forward to it. Bill Gillespie from Smoking Hogs. He's the pitmaster there. Bill is also the author of uh, Great Charcoal Grilling on a Weber and the Smoking Bacon and Hog Cookbook and Secrets to Smoking on Weber Smoking Smoky Mountain Cooker, excuse me, and other smokers. Bill and his team there at um, Smoking Hogs. We're world champs at uh, the Jack in 2011 and the Royal in 2014. Um, so that's all very cool. Also, before we talk to Bill, I'd like to welcome a new affiliate, 1170 Talk KFAQ in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We thank them for letting us share this time with you every weekend. So um, let's not waste any more time. Bill, welcome. JT, thank you. Uh, happy to be on the show and looking forward to having a good time today. Uh, we always have a good time, man. No matter what happens, we have a good time. So I guess the first question is, how did you come up with the uh, Smoking Hogs, H-O-G-G-Z? Um, so, yeah, so we uh, I was on another team back in 2005 through 2008. And, um, you know, I learned a little bit through there and at, at the end of 2008, I was ready to kind of jump out and do my own thing and, uh, sitting around with my, my wife, at the, well, my girlfriend at the time, wife now. <laughs> um, and, uh, we were just trying to come up with names and logos and, and, uh, somebody said I had a, I had a small little offset, uh, smoker. Sure. And, uh, somebody had said, you know, Oh, it would be kind of cool to ride that thing. Like, a uh, like a motorcycle, you know? And, and, um, <laughs> you know, oh, smoking hogs. I said, oh, that's pretty cool. I said, but, and just to be different, I wanted to, I didn't want it just H-O-G-S. I wanted it to be a little different than the norm so we could kind of stand out. And I said, how about H-O-G-G-Z? And they're like, yeah, I like that. That sounds good. And that's that's basically the, the story behind the, the spelling of the name. Were you a motorcycle guy to begin with? No, the funny thing is, is I'm not. Um I just, you know, enjoy smoking and just sure. one of my buddies was just like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to do that. So our very first logo was actually a pig riding the offset like a motor. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. So in your background, Bill, and forgive me because we've never talked before, so I'm yeah. going to get all this stuff for our listeners. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Did you grow up doing barbecue? Did you grow up doing smoking barbecue, uh, uh, anything not, like not, that? Yeah, not so much barbecue-wise, but, uh, you know, growing up cooking a lot on the charcoal grill with my, you know, with my father and stuff. Sure. He, um, he was in the Army for 20 years. He was stationed over in Germany. 
uh, two or three times, and um, they used to do a lot of a lot of grill and a lot of cookouts, and they'd have those big long charcoal open charcoal pits, and yeah, that's what he learned on. And then you know, when I when I was of age, or you know, five or six or whatever, from what I can remember, just cooking on a charcoal grill in the backyard and. It just kind of went from there, you know, going into Boy Scouts, learning to cook over the open fire, and and just I just love to cook, so it just sort of felt natural, you know. You know what's interesting to me, Bill, is your story is similar, not exactly the same, but similar yeah. to a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, that I talked to. That was one of the few times when they were kids that that they got to spend time with their dads was yeah, at the yeah. grill. Yep. And I, and I, yeah, thought, that was, that was, yeah. uh, some memorable times. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty cool. Mine, my dad couldn't cook. We always claimed he couldn't boil water without burning it, but, <laughs> um, you know, it was one of those things where there was that quality family time. And I think that permeates into the situations today, even if you're at a competition and you're cooking, it's still kind of your team is kind of your family and you get along with most of everybody on the other teams. You're just having a good time. I think that's what's yep. kind of cool about all this. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, and another good story is um, we grew up in a pretty tight neighborhood and every summer they would have this annual neighborhood cookout with lobsters, you know, steaks, hot dogs, burgers, and, it was like an all day, all night affair. And it was just, you know, one day, one, one of the Saturdays during the summer and, and the whole neighborhood would get together and do that. I got to tell you, I've been to, I've been to Massachusetts several times. I've been yep. to Boston a number of times. I've brought lobster home fresh. <laughs> I went and picked yep. them out myself out of some big tanks and, and yep. checked my briefcase so I could make sure the lobsters got through O'Hare without somebody's. <laughs> typing them there you know like that yeah and i just love that area of the country new england and all that is is um is terrific now we'd probably have to have a discussion and a beer over you know your patriots versus my seahawks out here but <laughs> i know right <laughs> but it but it would be fun it would be fair yeah it would be definitely. fair i think so yeah yeah now new england's a it's a great region um you know we're slowly getting on the map on the barbecue map um but, I mean, if you're looking for a great seafood, I, I know the Northwest has some awesome seafood. Yes. But, the, but New England area is right up there with it, with the lobsters and the clams and the mussels and all that stuff, you know. I mean, it's just, you, you, can, you can't go to a cookout, at least I don't go to a cookout with there not being some sort of uh, seafood along with the, the barbecue or the steak or whatever. Oh, you've got to have it. I mean, it, yeah, definitely. You know, the I have friends that live in the New England area and kind of more so maybe a little bit further south than you. But I, you know, when I talk to them and they've always got lobster doing something with lobster um, yeah. during the summer times and stuff. And, and yeah. I'm just like so jealous, man. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, we've got great crabs and we've got clams and we've got mussels and we've got great salmon and all that stuff. But oh, yeah. that lobster deal, man, that is just cheese. That's just, that's just a killer. So you roped your wife into helping you do this? I did, yeah. So um, before uh, before we got married, before I started this team, I was on, like I said, I was on another team. And uh, 
there was a contest we were going to up in Maine. It was at a farm. And um, I said, ah, do you want to come? I said, well, you know, she had never spent the night in a tent. So this was oh. going to be a first experience for her. And uh, so we went up, and I, I just remember it being super hot. It was in the, you know, the high 90s. It was just very, very hot. And, you know, the, the night, the cold ones are going down really easy. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, we, we were up until maybe 3, 4 in the morning. Uh, the two of us slept in a tent. And she woke up the next day, and I thought she was going to be like, that's it, I'm done. She's like, oh, my God, this was awesome. When are we going to do this again? And I'm like, sweet. Yeah. Well, evidently, you didn't get any bad ice that night. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> that's for sure. I, I've been there where you've gotten bad ice, and it's not fun the next yeah. morning like that. <laughs> what What's your favorite thing to cook? Oh, boy. Um, I like cooking steaks. Um, I, I'm one of my favorites is a, is a ribeye. Um, I just enjoy it. You know, I know there's a new, uh, the SCA, the steak right. cook-off right. association. And, you know, I mean, that's fun and everything, but I just, just like to cook a steak on a grill. Basically. There's something about that sizzle. Mm -hmm. I mean, put the taste and stuff aside, but there's something about that sizzle and a good, you know, 10, 12, 14, 16, whatever, however big you want them ounce yeah. ribeye on the, and when you flip them and they've got a nice grill mark, which isn't that important, but it's still a right. nice mark. And you do that and the fat's kind of crackling and it's turning, mm -hmm. you know, like that. That is, I think that, you know, makes people more hungry than anything I else you can so put too. on a grill. And, and you, you would mention the grill marks. And, and while I love the grill marks, I think they look great. Yeah. I actually prefer, I flip my, I have grill grates, so I flip them over so you have a flatter surface. Sure. And I cook them directly on that. So you, you get the whole sear across the entire steak. So you get that nice caramelized fat yep. uh, flavor. And it, I think it's just a, another experience, to be honest with you. It's like a great maple bar, but it's better for you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. We're going to head out here and take a break in just a second, but I want to give you a little news here. The personal chef business is booming as more consumers choose to eat at home during the COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, rather than at restaurants. The virus is expected to cause the restaurant industry to lose $240 billion in sales this year, based on estimates from the National Restaurants Association. Uh, and the lockdowns have pushed many Americans to spend more time eating at home, whether it's restaurant food for, from delivery or home cooking or the fruit of a personal chef's labor. The United States Personal Chefs Association estimates there are between five and 6,000 personal chefs working nationwide. Personal chef owns, chefs own their own business, unlike private chefs who are employed by a particular household or restaurant. According to Angela Prather, membership and partnership manager of the trade group, the personal chef industry started decades ago because of the demand <clears throat> for outsourcing meal preparation. But special occasions have become part of the business as well, including uh, Driscoll Cuisine, and, uh, have, and they have opted to focus most of their efforts on attracting those customers. The pandemic hit the industry while it was in the middle of a boom, according to Prather, and his and has accelerated the trend. 
So look around. If you're tired of cooking, call me. Maybe I'll come cook for you. We're going to be back with uh, Bill Gillespie of Smoking Hogs. We're going to talk about his cookbooks and his competition in just a couple minutes. So please stay with us. Nashville cats play clean as country water. Nashville cats play wild as Mountain Dew. Nashville cats been playing since he's babies. Nashville cats get work before they're two. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We've got Bill Gillespie from Smoking Hogs. He's the barbecue pit master there. Where we talk to Bill, uh, if you would like to email us, it's very simple. It's BBQ, barbecue at SalemPDX.com. If you would like to go on Facebook, you can do Barbecue Nation with JT. Also, um, we're available on Facebook. 13 different platforms out there as far as the podcast version after we get done on the radio we you know make some tweaks to the show and it goes out on uh anywhere from soundcloud to itunes to pandora to uh, you know all the apple stuff all that so we're not that hard to find also twitter you can find my personal twitter account which is cowcook57 and uh, send me a note, and I usually get back to you. So let's talk some more with Bill Gillespie from Smoking Hogs, the, the pit master there. <clears throat> um, you said originally, Bill, that you were working with another team, and then you went, you started your own, of course, like yep. that. And like that. What prompted you originally to even consider getting into competition barbecue? Um, so, you know, I, like I said, I had always liked to grill and, and cook outside and everything. Um, so I was working for a place and a couple of the guys were doing some backyard events and, um, they were, they were going to a KCBS event down in Cape Cod and asked if I wanted to tag along with them and help them out. And I'm like, yeah, sure. This is great. This is, sounds like a fun time. So I, I packed a cooler of beer and <laughs> <laughs> brought my one of my smokers with me. And uh, I had a small little uh, Brinkman uh, bullet-style smoker. It was the first cooker I had, so I brought that with me. And so there were the four main categories, uh, you know, the chicken, pork ribs, pork shoulder, and beef brisket. And right. they, they added a fifth category. And uh, it was uh, anything but, but you had to include cranberries just because sure. cod, the whole cranberry thing. So at the time, I was uh, messing around with um, grilled salmon. So I, I did it, turned it in, and got fourth place. Uh, my very first contest, and that, that was basically my my hook. That, that got me uh, addicted to it, you know, to competition. You were stuck. Oh, absolutely. You were stuck. They put a harpoon in you, buddy. They and, certainly did. <laughs> and you couldn't get away from it after that. No, so. no. It, it basically took more, the, the place of my uh, Sunday morning softball. There you go. You know, I, there you <laughs> go. There you go. Well, let's talk about your books a little bit. You've written three sure. books, three books that I know of. Yep. Um, 
you're you're smoking the hog book yeah uh, you know bacon and hog cookbook secrets to smoking uh on the weber in that but i guess um how long did it take you i mean i i interview a lot of people that have written books and yep. it takes a it's a big effort it's not something you do just kind of slap it together <laughs> that's funny you mentioned that so yeah so the first book um you know the the Smoky Mountain book, right? So I, I got approached in January of 2014 about writing a book. Um, there was another team from Massachusetts, IQ, uh, Chris Hart and Andy Husbands. They they actually won the, the first team from the Northeast to win the Jack, and they won it in 2009. Um, so we won it in 2011. Uh, uh, 2013 was the 25th anniversary. So they invited back all the past champions. Well, Chris was there with his publisher and introduced me to him. So fast forward to the January, I get the email asking if I wanted to write a book. I'm like, okay, this sounds like a good idea. So um, I signed the contract, send it in in February. And he's like, yeah, you have until May 1st to get the 100 recipes in the book to us. So I have two and a half months to do it. <laughs> so thankfully, I um, I had about 25 recipes or so already kind of like tucked away. Right. And um, so I, I, I brought on board a, a, a judge, a barbecue judge friend of mine who's also a, a writer. And uh, I said, hey, I said, I got some good news and bad news. Good news is I got an opportunity for you to help me write a book. I said, the bad news is we have uh, until May 1st to do it. He's like, okay. So him and I buckled down. We met probably four or five times a week, um, you know, writing recipes, writing content, cooking, doing all this stuff. I mean, we really, really hammered down. And uh, we, we, we got the book done, and we have over 125,000 copies in print right now. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. That's excellent. I don't know if most people know this, but if you write a book and you're, you know, not a self-published book, but one through a publisher and and do that, this is an old number, Bill. So forgive me. You might know the new number, but Mm -hmm. if you sell 10,000 books, you you've done very well. And, and especially in cookbooks because there's a gazillion cookbooks and, you know, barbecue books and, and what, and they all follow, fall under one umbrella, which is the cooking category. If you sell 10 and in the old days, it used to be 7,500, you know, they figured that was a great deal. And you've sold, what'd you say? 125,000? I think so. Since the book has come out, there's been, yeah, there's been 125,000 or so in print, but there's also, if, if you sell, that uh, they have a thing called um, like high volume, high discount. So there's, there's uh, catalogs that will buy, say, 15,000 copies. Well, they're buying it at a discounted rate, so you're really not getting a buck a book. It's more like 35 cents a book at right. that point. Right, right. So. Yeah, that's why you see all these guys on the TV news when they write a book. They seem to churn them out fairly fast. But yeah. I mean, you know, unless you're like a Bobby Flay or somebody like that, who's really well known, you'll, you'll, those guys will sell millions of copies. Right. Yeah. You know, somebody like me, it's, it's, who's in a, in a very kind of small, uh, world, so to speak. Right. You know? Yeah. 
No, it's all good. So, mm-hmm. so you've you've written two more. Have those been pretty successful for you? They have. No, I mean, not, not as good as the first one, but they've been um, they've been they've been doing well. Um, you know, my last one there, the uh, the secrets to great charcoal grilling. I wrote that book kind of with the expectation of of simplified recipes, but cooking them perfect each time. There you go. You right. know, so I don't know if that message really got out there enough, um, but you know that's that's the message that I was trying to uh, you know convey. There you go. We got to take another break. I'm way over on this break, but we'll be fine. Um, Bill Gillespie from Smoking Hogs uh, Barbecue, and I'll be back in just a minute. Please stay with us. You're listening to Barbecue Nation. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. You know, this whole world is full of singers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, and you're listening to us here on the Sun and Vision Radio Network. Uh, today, we're talking with Bill Gillespie of Smoking Hogs, a barbecue pit master there. We'd also like to say hi to our friends over at Painted Hills Natural Beef. They keep the beef going, and we're going to have Will Homer on, uh, the president of that, in a week or so, talking about, um, you know, you've heard the news, the food supply and the the chain of delivery and all that stuff. Well, he's going to come tell you some real facts, not stuff that uh, was kind of contrived by the other aspects of the media. So let's get back and talk to Bill Gillespie here a little bit from Smoking Hogs. What's the toughest thing you have to face when you're going to a competition, Bill? I think the other competitors, you know, um, there's a lot of good competition out there. And, you know, you need to be on your A game every single time. Um, It's not like it was 10 years ago where, you know, you could maybe get a fifth place call and something and and end up winning the competition. You need at least four top tens to even be considered for the top three overall these days. Um, The competition is just I think it's just blown the roof off, and um, you know, it's it's it's. I think it's bringing your A game every competition is probably the the hardest thing to do. And what about <clears throat> your selection of products? Um, there's a lot of guys we talk to that are in the competition end of things, and they've got certain products. One guy last year was telling me he used smart chickens. I told him I'd never heard of a smart chicken, but <laughs> right. but. You know, jokes aside, they're mm-hmm. very serious about the types of, of you know, briskets or sh- shoulders or ribs, whatever they choose. Yeah. What do you, what do you use? Yeah, so um, I use Snake River Farms briskets. Um, I use Compart Duroc pork for my ribs and pork butts. And for chicken, um, I go back and forth. Um, I've been using. Springer Mountain Farms chicken. Um, it's a kind of a like an all natural organic chicken. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's basically what I do. What I use. Hmm. And have you been with those for a long time, or did you have to go through a lot to finally make those yeah, selections? I, 
I've been I've been with SRF. Well, I've been using SRF, I should say, for probably since 2011. Um, Compart, I'm on my third year with cooking their products, and um, for the chicken, you know, like I said, it, it's it's kind of bounced around all over the place. So uh, I've been on and off have been using that brand of chicken. But it's it just it, that's probably my most inconsistent is the brand of chicken, I think. Okay. And what sets your turn ins apart from others? Um, I, I think I try to keep it simple. You know, I don't want to overthink it. Um, I always say it's the least offensive barbecue wins. You know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'm just trying to be, it, it turns, you know, I think everybody's taste is relatively close. I think it comes down to tenderness. If you can nail tenderness, uh, taste, I think, follows right behind that. Are you um, are you of the mind of, you know, it's a one-bite deal and go for it in that one bite? Or what's, what's your mental approach to this? Yeah, I'm trying to... I'm trying to pack, you know, pack that one punch into one, maybe two bites. Um, and, yeah, just, just trying to give them a well-balanced piece of meat to to enjoy. Is it, Do you make your own rubs or do you use yep. commercial rub? Or tell us yeah, about I, that. I actually have a line of uh, rubs and sauces. Uh, I have two rubs and a, uh, and a barbecue sauce that I sell on the market. Did those come through trial and error over a long time, or did you just kind of keep mulling stuff around in your head until you said, I think I got this. Yeah, it was kind of a little bit of both. Um, you know, I had some ideas. Uh, I would um, experiment a little bit and, you know, finally started trying to use it, you know, practicing at home, trying to, to fine tune everything. And until I thought it was at a good point where, you know, we could start using them. Sure. Now let's go back to your books for a little bit. Sure. Um, and you know, the other stuff you do is, is fine, but what would you say your success to failure ratio is when you're creating a new recipe? Um, like percentage wise. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, just ballpark it. I know, but yeah, I mean, um, I'd probably say, Maybe fifty percent. Me, I guess you know. We, you, the first time, it's either it either hits or it doesn't. If it doesn't, then you go back and tweak it a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, whatever the whatever the uh, recipe is. I know that when you're making them, and like you said, when you started writing your first book, you had, you know, twenty five or thirty five you know, kind of tucked away that you yep. obviously perfected and, and liked and were using on a consistent basis. But when mm -hmm. you have to create 75 or a hundred recipes, yeah. uh, that's a big job. And, you know, a lot of times, and I'm guilty as hell of this is if you, I can make it without writing it down. Cause mm -hmm. I just, I just know, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you've cooked so much. You just know that, you know, okay, yep. we need a little this, a little that. When you write it down, that may not be the roadmap to what you actually end up with on the plate. You have to kind yeah, of do some very, work on that. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny because once that was my biggest hurdle was to, to was that, 
And once I figured out the process that, you know, each recipe needs to have a story and then you have the ingredients list and then you have to explain how to do it. Once I figured that process out, it, it got a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that process of explaining how to do something that, that takes a while to, to figure out. Well, you also, you don't know whether you want to get way down deep mm-hmm. into the minutia of stuff, the little tiny things, or do you assume that people trying this at home can actually cook? I, I think, you know, I'm hoping that they can cook, but you try to give them some details. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's a tough part. Like what details do you, do you really don't need to, to explain to somebody, you know? So it's, it's kind of making that choice thinking what they really want. Well, I found the other thing too, Bill, at least on my end of the microphone here is that, um, I do a lot of cooking on TV and you only have so much time. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, five and a half minutes, so to say for a, a live segment on a morning show. So yep. you, you know, and you've got to have your before your middle, your finished product, a hero shot, whatever you want to call it. You got to have yep. all that. Okay. But if I put more than four or five steps in the process of getting it from here's what it looks like when it comes out of the fridge to here's what it looks like when you pull it off the grill or the out of the oven, whatever. If you put more than four or five steps in there, you, you lose your audience. And yeah, I think live definitely. Yeah. And then you get that. Look, this eighth of a teaspoon of cumin is not going to make that big a difference. <laughs> right. Right. <Yeah. laughs> No, I was just kind of want to get your thoughts on that because, you know, you do a lot of the same stuff that I do. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, do you keep that in mind when you're writing a recipe, even though that may not be on television or, you know, it's like, um, you know, do you need yeah, that? Sometimes, you know, there's, there's some recipes that I have and you'll see in the books that they're, they're kind of involved. Um, but then there's some other ones that are very simple. So it's just... Right. I guess it's just the nature of of what you're trying to do with with uh, that particular, say, cut of beef or dish or whatever, you know. Right. Well, I find I just find it interesting because, um, especially for people that ha- don't have the experience yet, and I put that mm-hmm. yet in there with a big exclamation point, because yeah. if you make it a little too complicated, you know, one or two many steps in the process sometimes that that can turn people off from yeah it's very true you know and, and i have a i've had a couple of uh you know not so good reviews saying that the some of the recipes were a little bit too complex for them and, and i get it and, and sure. i'm not in disagreement with them um but you know you, you, you're going to kind of gravitate towards uh, an easier recipe to do so yeah some of my recipes do do have a lot of steps, but most of them, the majority of them don't. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's really good. Bill and I will be back in a minute, but before we blew out of here for the break, I wanted to tell you about Tab. You know, the diet drink, as Tabaholics across the U.S. have long feared, Coca-Cola is taking their beloved diet soda off the market. The few Americans continuing to buy Tab decade, decades after the saccharine sweetened soda's popularity waned will soon have to savor their final sips. 
The beverage giant announced last Thursday that it is discontinuing Tab along with another underperforming drink, Zyko Coconut Water. Coca-Cola pulling the plug on Tab comes after the company said in September that it would also cut more than five half of its 500 brands. In August, Coca-Cola said it was also cutting thousands of employees. Coca-Cola's first ever diet soft drink, Tab, was introduced back in 63, but sales started to slide in 82 after Diet Coke came out. But for the younger generations who may not know what Tab is, one of those cultural references came when Marty McFly ordered a Tab at the 50s diner in the film Back to the Future, thinking it was 1985. We'll be back with more Barbecue Nation after this. You know, this whole world is full of singers, but just a few are chosen to tear your heart out. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. It's been rough and rocky traveling, but I'm finally standing upright on the ground. Hey, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We're talking with Bill Gillespie uh, from Smoking Hogs, not Hogs, Hogs, H-O-G-G-Z. And he's the pit master there. Bill's the author of uh, three books. He's probably working on another one as we speak. And uh, he's going to stick around for after hours, too. Um, so uh, what else we got? We got all, all kinds of stuff. But um, one of the things that I I tend to ask people on the show is have you smoked a penguin yet <laughs> <laughs> i have not okay well we got that out of the way got that cleared yeah. up <laughs> i um, didn't know you could well i guess you can right i guess you could i guess yeah. you could and i'm not sure how it would taste but right i, I did see some guys a couple of days ago on youtube um well actually it came through on twitter but the film was actually on youtube they were cooking an ostrich I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. That looked interesting. Yeah. Um, and I saw the guy do a camel, a whole camel. Okay. Yeah. 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 I did. See, I, I think I saw that one too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've eaten regular camel. I don't know as it was barbecued. Um, okay. I'm just curious of how that would taste. Cause camel was yeah. a little, little stringy, little chewy. Mm-hmm. I've never had it. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> Uh, my friend, you're not missing that much. Yeah. Okay. We'll just leave it at that. Um, yep. What's on your agenda this year, especially with the COVID stuff going on? I mean, um, are you guys scheduling some um, events, some some cooks and stuff a little later on in the summer? Are they tentative? What's going on with you guys yeah, on the East Coast? Yeah, a lot of the stuff that was supposed to happen now in May and June or, and even April were all either canceled or postponed until later in the year, if there was an open weekend, um, you know, up, up here in the Northeast, um, uh, you know, we, we have basically a contest every weekend, Sure. but, um, now it's, it's going to be a little challenging because there, there may be two contests that you got to make a decision, which one you want to go to, which one do you like better? Right. Uh, I, I know that's usually the case out in the Midwest. They <clears throat> usually have three or four on the same weekend, all within, 
you know, say three hours of each other. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it's going to be challenging. Uh, I think this fall, that's if we even get back to it. I'm hearing that most of the stuff, even in July, is is in jeopardy around this area. But who knows? You know, we don't know until it actually gets here and happens. Um, but, you know, we're still planning. We, we still want to go and compete, um, obviously, when it's safe to do so. Right. But, uh, yeah. I, here's a little clue for not only you, Bill, and your wife, but to our listeners. Yeah. Um, I stumbled across this thing the other day. It was uh, the COVID-19 horse race. <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen it, but if you if you guys haven't seen it, go to YouTube, type yeah. in, in the search COVID-19 horse race, and you'll come up with a call. Um it's not a lot of stuff that you, well, especially right at the end of the call, you can't put it up over the radio, but it is so funny and well-written and well thought out. Um, it's everything from, you know, Dr. Fauci's coming in on the inside here, you know, temporary <laughs> shutdown on the outside, you know, stimulus yep. package coming up from the rear, all this kind of stuff. It, it is, it'll, it'll, it'll make your heart laugh like yeah, that. I'll have to check that out for sure. You should. Do you think they'll ever, you, you've been there from Massachusetts. Do you think that you will ever, or that the local uh, groups will ever like have uh, a seafood division? Um, you know, they, they do every once in a while. I know, you know, the, there's the Northeast barbecue society and that's uh, it's, it's not like the KCBS, Sure. It's more more grilling events, um, and they you know they they have seafood categories, uh, you know shrimp, scallops, whatever. But I mean, having a dedicated seafood category, I think it would be kind of cool. I do, I do. Yeah. I think that would be great because people love seafood, and you know, fresh lobster on the grill or scallops, um, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I tell you what they could replace. They could re, they could get rid of the chicken category and replace it with seafood. <laughs> I, I think you'd have a lot of takers on that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Me being one of them. <laughs> I might even show up to one if that yeah, was going right. to happen. You know, <laughs> that would kind of be good. Um, what have you learned on this kind of last question? But I always kind of save it for last on certain people. Yep. Bill, What have you learned over the years? What's the biggest thing you've learned about? barbecuing and competition barbecue or the world in general or, you know, philosophy. Just, uh, yeah. With competition barbecue. I mean, I think it's made me a better cook. Um, I'm self-taught, you know, I'm not professionally trained or anything. Sure. Um, it's, it's taught me more detail, paying attention to the, to the, to the little details. Um, I'm always messing around at home. So, it's sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not, but it allows me to focus and, and really hone in to get that particular dish. Perfect. There you go. Uh, Bill Gillespie smoking hogs, barbecue. He's the pit master back there. Author of a few books that, uh, I told you about bacon and hog cookbook, uh, secrets to smoking on the Weber, smoky mountain cooker and other smokers and great charcoal grilling on the Weber. So, you can look Bill up. They've got a website. They've got a Facebook page. Cool stuff. And he's got things for sale also. Yeah, um, Twitter and Instagram, all that stuff. All that stuff. And uh, Bill's going to stick around for the after hours. So when you guys listen to the podcast version of this, if you do, you can find that. And uh, But we want to thank him for 
taking the time to be with us here on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to be here. So before we head out of here for the week, uh, one, we want to thank Bill Gillespie for being with us, but I want to give you a little more news here. You hear us talk about, in the barbecue world, Aaron Franklin. Well, he's a legend, of course, by now, Um, but he's also teamed up with Gold Belly to send its beloved brisket, that's the Franklin barbecue brisket, anywhere in the U.S., and we're not talking about a small serving of the dish either. You can get five pounds worth of beef, when you order it through Gold Belly's website, the mail order option is perfect for those short of time or looking for something straight from the restaurant. OK, uh, each order includes a whole brisket, which is approximately five ba- pounds of the uh, delicious, fatty, antibiotic free Angus, a 15 ounce bottle of Texas barbecue sauce. The cooked slab uh, slab arrives at your house sealed up so it can be frozen for up to three months or refrigerated for 10 days. And all you need to do is reheat it. You can either sous vide it or throw it in the oven and slice it. The brisket uh, should be more than enough to feed eight people. And even when you're divvying out the servings as large as a half a pound each. Oh, my word. If you have a hankering for some of Franklin's brisket. Biscuit, no brisket. Uh, be prepared to spend a little dough. The five-pound slab of beef will set you back two hundred and fifty bucks, which is much more than its normal twenty-five dollar per pound price, even with the free shipping. Sauce is free though, um, and you might want to consider that when you're divvying up the portions. But yeah, you can get Franklin's barbecued brisket in your home now for two hundred fifty bucks. Air freight next day. Uh, We'll be back next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation. Until then, uh, take care, everybody. Have a good week and be kind. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.